Hello, everyone, and welcome into this edition of the Sports Detective Podcast. I am your host, James Williams, and today I talk to Tyler Cole, who is the host of the Arizona Wild Bags podcast. Tyler and I react to Arizona's 15-point win over Oregon on Thursday night, Azula Stabell's 40-point game, his All-America campaign, and his potential to go to the NBA after this season. Then we talk about what it's like to have Bill Walton announce a game of a team you're rooting for when your team is not playing that well. Then we talk about Tommy Lloyd and his immediate impact on the Arizona basketball program. Who will win a national championship first, Tommy Lloyd at Arizona or Mark Few at Gonzaga? Plus, we live react to Kyrie Irving's trade request that is shaking the NBA community as we speak. Finally, we finish talking about Arizona's football program and if Jed Fish has the ship pointed in the right direction and if Arizona could potentially make a bowl game in 2023. And now, without any further ado, here is my conversation with Tyler Cole. All right, joining us now is Tyler Cole, who is the host of the Arizona Wild Bags podcast covering Arizona Wildcat men's basketball and football. For some reason, I just keep interviewing people, scheduling interviews, and the night before they come on, their best player, All-American candidate, ends up having an amazing game. Last night, obviously, Arizona has an impressive 15-point win over Oregon with Azulis Tabellas scoring 40 points. Uh, what's just your reaction, Tyler, about last night's game and how Arizona's just playing in generally the last few games? It was it was awesome to see Tabellas go off like that. I mean, it was the cleanest game, too. 16 of 21 from the field. And the thing about it is he's doing this all kind of without a real – mid-range or three-point game going on everything's kind of close to the rim like he'll shoot one per game but 16 of 21 you're shooting that clean and 40 points and when i see stuff like that it's just it's incredible to see where he's come because the first couple years he was at arizona he was kind of mild-tempered kind of quiet and wouldn't really talk the talk like last night you actually saw him talk a little trash and it's like deserve it so because he's right now but it's awesome to see because i love that dude like he came he was he was with us when sean miller was at arizona and for whatever reason man he's stuck around like he's developing really nicely and tommy lloyd is using him to his best and i was wondering i was wondering watching him last night because he's a guy that's been around for a few years now. If he's going to be an All-American this year, more than likely. Is there, do you think he has a chance to go pro after this year? Or is he just going to be a four-year guy and just come back and be awesome again for his senior year? It's funny because that's exactly what I've been wondering too. And a lot of people in the media have wondered the same thing because he's really starting to come onto the scene as of late. Um, I th- I think he has a chance um, he, he's projected right now to be kind of a mid second rounder. And I don't know if, if he's okay with that or not. Uh, but it really just depends on if he's making money in the NIL, then I think he stays because his brother, he's also on the team. He's a walk-on. And so you've got that connection there that kind of could keep him here. Plus it's just another year. So you never know. It's, it's really just, if he's going to, if he thinks now's the time he could do it but like last night so his mom visited and maybe that's why he could went out for 40 points 
his mom needs to just live here is what everybody's saying because the dude just went off but he could potentially go do i think he's ready i think so he's a he's a fast moving floor stretching guy that could play three positions pretty much i mean if he developed a shot he could play four positions that's that's when you look at it and right now i think he could play the three four and five in the nba potentially he's got to put on some more muscle to play the five consistently but as far as just a floor stretching small ball kind of up-tempo player i think he could he could find a a spot on any nba team watching last night's game typically for other parts of the country uh that watch college basketball we don't get to experience bill walton that much he (laughs) i believe he announced an iowa state game earlier this year and it's always fun to listen to him and his commentary and his his jokes and his personality in general but watching last night you could tell that it's just when he does pac 12 games it's just at a whole other level oh yeah has so much passion for west coast basketball i was wondering though watching it if sometimes if you watch a game that bill walton's announcing that if your team's not doing well and they're struggling and then bill walton's like cracking jokes about like peanut butter and uh, (laughs) you know just just talks about the scenery of whatever team is playing like the the saguaro mount the saguaro cactus and the catalina mountains of the tucson desert are beautiful i I was just wondering if like when when your team's not playing well and he's doing that stuff and he's doing that shit if you're just like all right man like that's enough or is it just the case where bill we all just love bill walton all the time what is it so i'm kind of numb to it now uh at first when he started covering games it was like what huh and you're just like can you focus on the game but now you can just kind of learn to appreciate it and you take it for what it is. Cause the other thing is Dave Pash has done a really good job of kind of containing the craziness that is Bill Walton. Cause if you remember like his, the first couple games, there was so many times when Dave Pash would be stumped and just kind of like, uh, can we go back to the basketball game, please? And, and Bill Walton would just say the most random things that come to his mind about what's going on. The other thing is like, he always says, throw it down, big man. It's like, you always count those. And <laughs> I saw your tweet last night about, yeah, if you if you took a shot every time he said Conference of Champions, you would, you'd be dead. <laughs> He's, I don't know, we're good with it now. Like, you either hate him or you love him. And for years, I didn't really care for it. I was like, can we just get somebody to talk about straight basketball? But now it just, it provides a nice little entertainment factor for the games that just kind of make it, a more fun event because the other thing that i keep in the back of my mind is his son luke walton went to u of a and so you know he has somewhat of an affinity for arizona because there were so many times on i've listened to podcasts over the years and you got bill walton talking about how um over the years like luke walton would take players back to his house back in california his parents house and so you'd have like you know Gilbert Arenas, Channing Fry, and such and such, staying the night, like sleeping on the couch, pizzas everywhere, and I love that he actually has kind of a history, not just as a basketball player in general, but somebody affiliated with Arizona. So now I've come to just basically appreciate it. <laughs> 
Uh, a part I thought was funny last night when he asked Dave Pash is like, I, I can't remember what game they were talking about, but he was like, did you watch that game? And he was like, Pash was like, I was there with you, man. <laughs> watch it together. Uh, we always love Bill Walton. I was looking at Arizona's last year and this year. Last year, obviously, the best player is Benedict Matherin. He scored the mm-hmm. most points, more of the center of the offense. This year, obviously, last year, they still had the Twin Towers with uh, – Tubelis and Coloco. I don't know if I said that name right. Coloco. Coloco. Loco for Coloco. Loco for Coloco. Is there much of a difference between this year's team and last year's team where maybe running your offense through your big man more is better to go advance far in March than it is having a guard be your leading scorer? Yes and no. Uh, Last year, everybody knew that Benedict Matherin was the alpha. It, I mean, it's evident by where he got drafted and what he's doing in the NBA now. But as far as like this season, you kind of got a Twin Tower lineup that reminds me a little bit. And I say a little bit because Azulis Tubelis isn't your typical center slash big man. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of like 2018. So you had um, you had DeAndre Ayton. And you had um, um, uh, what's Dusan Ristich? You had Dusan Ristich, kind of just playing off each other, clogging the paint. And for whatever reason, Sean Miller loved that lineup because Dusan Ristich was a senior, or I think he was a junior. No, he was a senior. And you saw what what it led to. It led to Buffalo going nuts against Arizona and shooting lights out against them in the tournament and so as far as this year i think it helps having guys that actually are not both centers on the floor at the same time you've got uh umar balo who has just taken leaps and is like last season he got better every single game and you could see him get in better shape as the season went on and this season he's kind of just taken from where he was last year and added on to it. And you saw a little spurts of it in Maui where he becomes the uh, MVP of the whole tournament. And Azulis fits pretty nicely next to him because he's not your typical center. Like I said, he is a a fast paced transition, up-tempo kind of player that just gets running up and down the court. And then you add somebody in like Kerr Carissa who knows exactly where to feed him. I mean, last night you saw it. Uh, the two-man game of Kirk Carissa and Azulis Tubelis is is incredible. They have so much chemistry. Like, Kirk Carissa knows exactly where Azulis Tubelis is going to be on the floor. You see him get these little angles on the passes where he's hitting it perfectly, and he knows exactly where to hit him with the ball. Kind of like you think, like, Tom Brady, he would know where to throw to his guys so that they don't get injured because they have that chemistry. He didn't put them in a real tough situation where they're just going to get clobbered the second they catch a pass. And with Kirk Carissa, he's setting them up where these passes are getting right to these spots where Azulis Tubelis, all he has to do is just go up immediately fast and transition. Like you see that all the time where the play just happens and Zulus is going down the floor. And I watched it last night. Like I'm staring at Tubelis and I'm like, he's not really even open. I don't think they pass it to him here. And then all of a sudden you see a full court pass gets it layup it's just they make it look easy at that point and so i'm sorry i don't even remember what your question was i was just kind of rambling on here but 
I think as far as being set up this year versus last year, there's a lot more balance to this team. Like everybody knew Benedict Matherin was going to take the shot and he should. He's, he's Benedict Matherin. You saw it against TCU last year where he hit that game winner and basically willed them to the Sweet 16 against Houston, which we're not going to even talk about because I hate Houston. No, I'm kidding. Um, but as far as this year, you've got everybody kind of chipping in, and it's just a, a more well-rounded, balanced team where before last night's game with Azulis going off, everybody had been going for double digits averaged it seemed like and right now it's azulis is it's his time and he's finally coming into his own as like he should and he's looks poised to lead this team and it's it's a top five team in the country right now yes they are up and down but right now i think the key word is balance everybody else looks balanced and everyone is feeling it around him because you got kirk carissa who the last few games before he's he's been awesome he's been on another notch to his game but then you think about like a few games before that he was hitting shooting slumps where he wasn't even shooting you know 30 percent from three he was struggling and while his passing was still there because he's got a guy like Tubelis, all he has to do is feed him the ball and Tubelis makes your stats look good now everybody's kind of feeding off of each other and the intensity has gone up a notch and I think they're peaking at the right time because they've got a very easy schedule coming up where the only tough game that they have left on their schedule is a trip to Poly Pavilion for UCLA, which that's going to be a bloodbath. We know that with how the last game ended. It was a, such a low-scoring game. And so right now I just think everything is kind of coming together. Everybody is feeding off of just the energy that they've gotten because the defense has – tremendously improved over the last few games and it's 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 at the right time like i said one thing i'm trying to figure out with college sports football and basketball is when a new coach is hired now there's like kind of two paths that you can typically go i guess maybe three but i'm going to say like the two most common paths of when a new coach is hired there's two ways or you know two directions usually where the coach usually comes from one is the coach that is at a smaller kind of level program smaller school that built that program up and has shown just over a few years that they're able to sustain and build a program and then they get hired at a you know a power five school and then they get the chance to do that there the other one and this is the tommy lloyd path was the assistant coach that finally gets his chance to be a head coach. That mm-hmm. one, I feel like, especially in football, is more like questionable of a hire because you're just not sure what it's going to be. It, like, because you don't know, you've never seen this guy be a head coach. So it's kind yeah. of a different experience. With Tommy Lloyd, obviously, was a longtime Gonzaga assistant for about 20 years. He was known as the international recruiter, recruited just any anybody that they could get overseas or the best players they just Gonzaga was first in line for all of them yeah Tommy Lloyd coming to Arizona now building this program up for the last years he's obviously been a success when he was originally hired did you and other people from Arizona were you very optimistic about this hire or was it kind of like all right I haven't seen this guy ever be a head coach before not really know what to expect 
Um, I would say it was a mix of both. Um, he wasn't their first option. They had, they had like, I think it was four other candidates that they wanted. I mean, they wanted to grab um, Dave Hickey, the athletic director for Arizona. He thought he could grab um, like a, a Mark Adams from uh, Texas Tech, a uh, Tony Bennett from Virginia. They wanted like somebody established already. And so when those guys said basically no to the job or I, I, you know, I don't know, I'm not in the room for that. They didn't make it through the hiring process, obviously, but you had a guy like Tommy Lloyd that I'm sure when they talked to, they, their eyes lit up because of what he said. Cause the thing about Tommy Lloyd is being at Gonzaga for so long, Gonzaga and Arizona played a lot of the time throughout the years. And um, one year, even, you know, Arizona eliminated them from the tournament and you had Mark Few and Gonzaga kind of look at things and see where can we take our program to the next step. And they looked at Arizona. Tommy Lloyd openly admits that he viewed Arizona like the Duke program of the West Coast, which, you know, that's Duke. I don't like that title, but you know what? I'll take it as a compliment. It's they viewed Arizona as one of the premier programs, obviously, other than UCLA in the West Coast. And so he was excited. And so I'm sure when they hired him that they were excited to see, all right, what can this guy do? He's been an assistant for 20 years. I think he's ready to coach. We, he's shown he can recruit. He's helped Mark Few get, you know, recruiting class after recruiting class. And I think there was some potential that they wanted to tap into and see what can this guy do? So he he's proven it so far. He is he's been one of the best offensive minds in the country. Obviously, I'm biased when I say that, but he's his pace of play, everything that comes with it, it's incredible. And I'm happy for him because for this program for so long, um, over the last few years before Tommy Lloyd got hired. You had Sean Miller, who was a defensive-minded coach, and I love, I love Sean Miller. I do. That's other than Lute Olson, obviously. Sean Miller was the guy I grew up watching, um, and so you take Sean Miller and his defensive-first kind of mindset and the things that he would do. He would he would focus on that, and the offense kind of never really would materialize to its true potential, in my opinion. And that's just my opinion. I'm not stating that like Sean Miller is not a bad coach. He's an incredible coach, obviously. Look what he's done with Xavier this year. But Tommy Lloyd just kind of like, I see what you're doing here, and I'm going to add a little bit to it. And obviously he got a head start by keeping the class that Sean Miller recruited. You know, you had Benedict Matherin, you had Azulis Tubelis, and then you saw the leap that Christian Coloco took being the Pac-12 defensive player of the year. And he just kind of added on his little formula to it. And boy, is it working because Arizona looks like they're going to be a dominant force for years to come. Who do you think will win a national championship first? Because the one thing at Gonzaga, as we know, is haven't gotten over the hump, have gotten close, but haven't been able to win a championship. Do you think it, do you think Tommy Lloyd could win a championship at Arizona before Mark Few wins one on Gonzaga or Mark Few wins it somewhere else? Maybe if he has to leave Gonzaga, do you think that's realistic? It's, it's, it's possible. Um, I don't know. Cause you wonder like, 
how good is Gonzaga without Tommy Lloyd? And I'm not discrediting Mark Few at all when I say that. It's just this year they are not nearly as good of a team for Gonzaga, speaking of, as they have been previously. And then last year with Chet Holmgren, you know, they were incredible, but they kind of just tapered off into the tournament. And Tommy Lloyd's hit the ground running. I lean Tommy Lloyd because it seems like he has this kind of momentum that is, I don't want to say halted, but has kind of just faded away with Gonzaga. And obviously I'm biased when I say this, like Gonzaga fans don't come at me, but I I do feel like Tommy Lloyd still kind of has that home run potential uh, cause he could very well return this entire team other than Cedric Henderson and Courtney Ramey, who are seniors. He could bring everybody back. If Azulis decides to come back, Kirk Carissa decides, Pella Larson and so on. And right then and there, I think you've got a team that could potentially be a preseason number one team, you know, and that's if he doesn't go far this year. So you never know, but I think my answer, I would lean Tommy Lloyd just, just slightly, just slightly, even though I know Mark few is. He's an incredible coach, but I just think there's a little more potential with Tommy Lloyd based on what we've seen so far. It sounds crazy, but I actually agree with you. It's just <laughs> like you're able to, and, and I think part of it too was some of like a school of Gonzaga. I was asking uh, the guy I was talking to a few days ago from Purdue. I was like, is there going to be any worry just playing in, not that the big, the big tens, like it doesn't have like top end teams. It has kind of like, like, you know, they have more, eight, nine, 10 seeds than they do two, three, four seeds in their conference mm-hmm. and just not playing that top end talent every single week. You're just not getting tested as much. And then yeah. all of a sudden when you're getting tested in the sweet 16 or the elite eight against this team, the other team that has been tested, you know, seven, eight times in their conference, you know, through January, February, March, like yeah. the other team's just more experienced in some of those moments and they know what to expect. And I just wonder that just being at a smaller school like Gonzaga, where you're just, you know, most of the time you're just beating the crap out of everybody. You do get some challenges out of conference, but again, you know, when you're eating challenge out of conference in December, what is like, there's every single year in the sport. I mean, even college football too, you look at some of the results in like September and then you like look at the team at like late November, December, and you're like, what? That doesn't even like make sense. What happened earlier in the season, same thing in college basketball, where, I mean, you can look at some of this stuff now and be like, what? What did that team do this week? Like, it's it's really weird. Um, I was thinking about this watching Arizona last night. Is there times over the last few years when Arizona's playing a team that they haven't played in a while, at, or, or, or rarely play, I should say, where they look at Kerr Carriza and be like, wait a minute, I didn't know Steve Kerr's son is on this team. <laughs> Yeah, Curry honestly, is, uh, not Steve Kerr's son, by the way. No, yeah, no. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, it's funny. A lot of people give him crap because he's got his first name on the back of the jersey, but it's kind of like an homage to Steve Kerr, you know, with the Arizona program, which his parents actually. They named him after Steve Kerr. If I'm if I'm mis- I don't think I'm mistaken when I say that. I'm pretty sure I have to do a little bit of research on that. And so it's just awesome to have like. Last year you had um you had Dale and Terry. So you had a guy with the last name Terry and you had a guy with the last name Kerr and you think okay you got Steve Kerr an all-time Arizona great and then you got 
the possible you got a Jason Terry also you know you got a guy with that name and so I don't know I think a lot of guys they 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 love uh playing in Arizona and so when you've got somebody named you know after Steve Kerr like that because you know he's just a we see what he's doing in the NBA he's incredible but when you've got stuff like that it just kind of speaks to the tradition at Arizona and the love that goes for it. This is a general. I, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I probably didn't even answer your question when I said that, but it's just, oh, it's okay. That was good enough. People do <laughs> say yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> just a general college basketball question. There's been some kind of chatter over the last few months that, the tournament might expand to 96 teams or even higher, which I don't know how I feel about that because for example, there's been years and not now the conferences are going to change here in the next few years. So it's going to be different, but there's been years that like the big 12 will have like eight out of 10 teams make the 68 team tournament. And I just wonder if, if it gets to like 96, is it somehow could like an entire conference just make a tournament? And at that point, what is like conference play like really even matter at like the power five schools? Like, yeah. Thought about that. And what do you think about the tournament expanding? Uh, I don't like it personally. I, I'm not a fan of it. I think it's, it's good where it's at right now. Um, because it's kind of like you think about the college football playoffs and we know it's, I don't want to compare it to that because with the college football playoffs, you're going to get the good teams winning every single game with college basketball. There's sort of the unknown, but I think with expanding it, you just, you kind of get, you get a little more chaotic outcomes, of course, which everybody wants. It brings in TV ratings, brings in revenue, etc. But I just think at that point, you're almost not rewarding the teams that are truly good. The teams that have led the conference throughout the season and you're just getting a team that, uh, you know, goes 500 in their whole season potentially because they made a run in their conference tournament or they, they didn't really have the season that the other creams of the crop in that conference had. And it just kind of creates this chaos. Plus there's going to be, well, you know what, the TV – they would love it. They would love it because it's more games to televise. Uh, could make the tournament longer, which which is a plus as I'm kind of like going over the pros and cons in my head. But I think in the long run, I think don't mess with perfection, right? It's not perfection, but don't mess with, don't break it. What's what's the saying? Uh, don't don't break it if or uh, don't fix it if it ain't broken. Yeah, exactly. There it is. I think I think that's. That's my answer on it, is what you just said right there. <laughs> do you want to talk about Arizona football, or do you want to talk about Kyrie Irving's trade request that just broke like five minutes ago? Is it? Seriously? Yeah, yeah. I just got a... Woj and Shams have both tweeted that Kyrie Irving's requested a trade from the Brooklyn Nets by uh, the Thursday deadline. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. That's wow. Funny. That's... That's why Ooh, if you saw me like look out at my phone and just like my eyeballs just bulged out of my head for like 30 seconds, that's what I was doing. Uh, that's insanity because 
as I am an Arizona fan, I am also a Suns fan. And if you aren't aware, the Suns were heavily rumored to be in Kevin Durant discussions during the offseason when he requested his trade. So that opens the door in my mind for Kevin Durant to possibly be moved. Maybe, depending on that. But that is, wow. Wow, I'm shocked. For Kyrie Irving, for Chris Paul. We have that possibility. <laughs> Dude, I, I couldn't do it. I could, like... Don't get me wrong, I love Chris Paul, but whatever Kyrie Irving is in this state of his career uh, as a distraction, I'm I'm okay. I'm okay with Chris Paul, old man gaming it every now and then and having a, a vintage Chris Paul game, but wow. Yeah, that's insane. That's so, <laughs> so weird too. It has to be like a contract thing because he hasn't gotten an extension and he thinks that like maybe if the Lakers will trade for him that they'll immediately give him an extension or something that's the only thing i could think of because yeah because it feels like that team's actually good enough to compete like right now because just both of them are playing like really well yeah i know i'm sorry i'm just reading some of the tweets right now looking at it too because it it, it, they're alluding to yeah it is the contract extension that he's mad he didn't get so who knows this could be just a an outcry for give me my money or if they decide not to trade them, because let me tell you, I kept track of everything that was going on with the Brooklyn Nets and their GM. And he it's Kyrie Irving and it's Kevin Durant. Like he's not going to trade him for peanuts. He's going to hold out, but that makes it interesting because the trade deadline is next Thursday. So it's like, what a week for him to do this. Now you got five, five, six days to prepare for it. And wow, honestly, I, <laughs> yeah, he just, he just, everything seemed to be going fine in Brooklyn. And then Kyrie Irving is just like, let's just like light these curtains on fire. Exactly. See what happens, which okay, he well, does. He's Kyrie Irving. So <laughs> he'll burn down your house if he has to. He gets bored every once in a while and we'll post, uh, post weird things on Instagram. Yeah. The curtains will catch fire from all the sage he's been burning. So the house is going down in Brooklyn. Wow. Wow. It's exactly what it is. All right. We'll, <laughs> we'll finish this talking a little bit Arizona football. Okay. Team looks like it's headed in the right direction. Jed Fish, after his second year, went one and 11 first year. Kind of expect that first year head coach rebuilding project. Then went five and seven this past year, playing a few close games, beating, uh, I think they beat UCLA, right? Which was mm-hmm. a pretty big upset. Yeah. Uh, how are you feeling about the direction of this football team right now? And, uh, and Jed Fish is a head coach of a rebuilding program. I'm uh, I'm very pleased. They seem to be, like you mentioned, treading trending in the right direction. Um, yeah, one and eleven is first year, five and seven this year. I think they get to a bowl game this upcoming year. Um, there's starting to get way too much talent on this roster to not get a bowl game because uh, this past off season he's recruited what was the the worst part of Arizona last year was the defense. And he's fixed that by grabbing um, Justin Flo, uh, the transfer from Oregon. He was a former five-star. They got a commitment a few weeks ago from uh, Leviticus Sua, who's a four-star linebacker, and he'll be coming in. And they already had a stud in Jacob Manu. And so now you kind of see the pieces are all coming together to create a team that could potentially compete with 
you know, the the Oregons of the Pac-12. Um, I won't say USC yet because I, you know, they're leaving, and also I, I feel like Lincoln Riley is going to get that program to be very good. Um, but towards the the top end of the Pac-12, I think Arizona is going to have potentially a very competitive season where they'll they should get to a bowl game. You know, the schedule came out. I looked it over and I thought. I could see this team being six and six or seven and five, or they could blow away expectations and be even better. But it's really just because of the offense. You've got Michael Wiley, their running back, coming back, and uh, Jacob Cowings returning. And he was for the about the first two thirds of the season, he was the leading receiver for Arizona. And then you had Dorian Singer, who kind of took it by storm the whole last third of the season and he he was obviously very good because he transferred to usc and so you know that makes usc even better which sucks usc is not leaving the conference yet because we're gonna have to play against that guy and i love dorian singer he's ultra talented but with arizona you're not lost for receivers you've got uh people like to call him t-mac because his name is so hard to pronounce it's tedarola mcmillan and he is a five star wide receiver he is the highest ranked recruit in arizona history and he's got a big frame he's six four he's got a great leaping ability and you couple that with Jaden delora who i'm obviously biased when i say this is a dark horse dark horse candidate for a heisman because he was incredible last season and i know you're like you're a big 12 guy you're gonna be like okay buddy like that's that's fine but Honestly, Jaden Delora, I would his his ability in the pocket to escape pressure, I likened it to Kyler Murray esque, and at times it was even better than Kyler Murray, because uh, you'd see him struggle to find open guys because his offensive line was kind of caving in, and he was having to run and throw on the run, switch to you know his his positioning and throw the pass, and I saw him excel at that throughout last season and I'm I need to do a little more work on it because I wanted to actually write an article on it but I think so far in just his first year I think Jaden Delora which you know it's not a lot to compare it to but I think he's he's probably a top three quarterback all time at Arizona already which obviously Arizona is not the program that other teams are you know we struggled with Kevin Sumlin and we're actually competitive with Rich Rod but I feel like Jed Fish is doing things right. Like I feel like he actually has a strategy when it comes to recruiting because over the years you would see guys commit and never really materialize. But with Arizona, you're you're getting guys that are finally like like you're getting we got a a guy from Georgia that didn't get to play for Georgia, which Georgia is a you know a basically an NFL team, let's be real. Uh, and he didn't get playing time. Yeah, we'll take you at, if you're talented enough to play at Georgia, but you want all the playing time on an up and coming team. Yeah, we'll take you. And so I think you're seeing Jed Fish just kind of have an actual strategy when it comes to getting guys that are 6'4", 6'5", 6'6". And that's something that you didn't really see in the previous coaching with either Sumlin or Rich Rod, but right now you're getting a program that has, you've got Brennan Carroll, who is, you know, son of Pete Carroll as our offensive coordinator. Uh, you've got Teddy Bruski, who is an advisor to, uh, he's Jed Fish, and 
you're getting you're getting an NFL pregame program like a team that has NFL experience because Jed Fish was he was on staff you know at New England uh Los Angeles for the Rams and you know he knows what it takes to get to the NFL and so I think right now you're getting an actual program at Arizona that is preparing guys to get to the NFL potentially you know if they want to work for it and so they're definitely up and coming and I think right now the the focus is just get them to a bowl game because 111 like you mentioned it it was some dark times in the program because the season before that, you know, it was obviously a shortened year with COVID and they didn't win a game the the season before. And so you couple the, the, in two seasons, you've gotten, you've gotten one win. And so getting five wins this year, they were projected to get three. So they're, they're up and coming. And I think you just got to work a little, a little bit harder to get this team very, very, competitive when it comes to the they, they beat ucla like you mentioned but as far as just that's the goal is get to a bowl game that's it really i know you're a big guy that comes to preparation for this podcast but i doubt you would have prepared for this next question but you just <laughs> talked about the 2020 season you sparked something in my head okay i, I remember at the end of that 2020 season kevin Sumlin got fired kind of like early or kind of towards the end but there was one game that was left on the season and uh, former Iowa state head coach, Paul Rhodes was going to be the interim coach for Arizona. Is there any part of you that wish they would have pulled out an amazing victory? And then you guys would have had to hire Paul Rhodes as your next head coach. See, <laughs> yeah, you did. You did get me with a stumper there. Um, I, to be honest, when it comes to Arizona football, I don't, I didn't really see anybody that coming in to save the program. Like when we were looking at all the projected guys that could come in, I wasn't thrilled with all of them. But I'll ask you: was was he was he a solid choice to take over Arizona before Jed Fish? No, <laughs> no, yeah. No. So there you go. There's my answer. <laughs> no, I just he was. Um... He was kind of like a local guy from Iowa and he was the head coach of Iowa State for like seven years and he had okay. like a few good years, pulled off some crazy upsets. He's part of the reason that we have the college football playoff now because on one weird night on a Friday night, uh, Iowa State pulled off one of the better upsets like ever beat Oklahoma State, who was number two in the country and uh with brandon whedon justin black yeah. team and then we had the the most boring national championship game ever where it was the sec jerk jerk off fest <laughs> and <laughs> yeah but it was just kind of like he didn't know how to really you know sustain it and iowa state's a tough place to win at so but i always i always thought because he was just a very likable and like charismatic person a character on the sidelines i was hoping that he would be just pull like some incredible game out of his butt and it would just Arizona would just be like, well, we just have to hire this yeah. guy. Let, <laughs> let it ride. It wouldn't. It, Jed Fish was definitely the better option, but that's just something I thought of. Uh, back to a few things you said. I don't think it's crazy to think. Well, I think it's crazy to think Jaden Delora would be a Heisman candidate. I think more, uh, that, I said dark horse twice. So if that puts it into perspective, he's a dark horse, dark horse candidate. I think he could potentially be a star though. 
in the Pac-12. Yeah. The, the Pac-12 is a conference that has... I can't tell if it's like... It's probably this. I can't tell if it's like a lot of really good offense or a lot of really bad defense. Because you yeah. look at all the statistical numbers for all the Pac-12 teams. You look at Arizona. Arizona had one of the worst uh, defenses in the country this past year. And it's also for sure. how it trends for most of the mm-hmm. Pac-12 schools, except for like Utah and like one other one. I can't remember off the top of my head. Washington State's another one that has a good defense. Yeah. So that's one thing I couldn't um, really tell. But yeah, it'll be really interesting to see. I think Jed Fish has done a really good job of making it a program that people want to come to. For sure. Which is, yeah. I think, a point that you made in there. And as far as the future of the the team, I think things are going to be trending up. They're going to improve. Yeah. They, I mean, it, you went to the bottom of the barrel with Kevin Sullivan. I mean, the icing on the cake for getting him out of there was losing to ASU 70 to 7. And Arizona fans know, like, we're never going to live that down until Arizona beats ASU. 70 to seven or something like that and it's just they it, it can't get any worse than that so it only had to improve from there and jed fish is the right guy to do it i think right now what he's doing as far as the landscape of the program is he's trying to build it from the ground up into just a completely different program than what it has been and he's trying to get fans at the games he's He's trying to, he wants, he said, it's, he said, he tweeted it out. He's like, there's six games at home this year. We want them all sold out. And I, I mean, I'm guilty of it myself. I tweeted to him and I was like, you got to fix the defense first. And this offseason, he actually, he has. And so Listen while I don't think they're not going to be, yeah, right. <laughs> they're not going to be one of the best defenses in college football. They may not even be one of the best defenses in the Pac 12, but you, the reason they won against ASU this year in the Territorial Cup was because of their defense. He saw that. He knows it. Improve upon that. The offense is already awesome. I I will say this, even without being biased, I think last season they had one of the best offenses in the country. I, re- I truly believe that in my heart of hearts. And so you build around that offense, kind of shore up the offensive line, and right now – I think you've got yourself a competitive program. I'm not saying they get for sure to a bowl game. They should. They should completely. But it's going to it's gonna be a true testament to can Jed Fish coach and get this team there, and how can he take this team further? He's shown he can recruit. He's shown that. He can build a brand. He's doing it well at Arizona. But can he take that next step? And this year is going to be where we tell. And I, I personally, I think he can. I think he can. I think it's going to be a long process as it's showed because this program was in such a bad state after Kevin Sumlin. It just was. I mean, obviously, he hasn't gotten a coaching job since. You know, he was, I think it was in the, um, not the Arena Football League, but the, what's the other one that, that started com- that started happening last year that he was coaching in that. It was, it's like a, I forget what is what because there's so many of these days that are trying to, you know, compete with the, the NFL, the XFL. Yeah, there it is. He was a coach in the XFL, and it's, and it's like you know they those those teams in there didn't do that good. So it's like it's it's just a testament to that is why Arizona was what it was for so long was because it was just it was in such bad hands personally. I think so. That's my two cents. 
the last question I have for you, and then we'll get out of here is, uh, can you tell me as a person that's born and raised in Tucson fan of the team for almost 20 years now, basically just why, why you hate Arizona state so much, just, just I'll give you the floor <laughs> and just tell me why you hate them. Where do I begin? Or what you're annoyed uh, by. Them. First off the colors. I've never been a fan of the, which it's funny. I'm looking at you and your Iowa state hat and you've got the same colors as ASU. So I feel like you might take this as the personal tech, but I don't like the, they the have a little run. darker red. They're more, okay, well, they're more closer to Minnesota than Iowa state. That's true. That's true. You are right. I, I do like the red that, cause it's more similar to the red that Iowa state has is a more similar one to, I USC. guess, Arizona. Oh yeah. USC for sure. There you go. Cause I, yeah. I can't tell you how many how many times over the years I would turn on TV, you know, before I could see who was actually playing, flipping through channels, and I'd be like, "Is that USC or is that Iowa State?" Oh, oh okay, okay, yeah. No, with Arizona State, it's just they. I haven't personally experienced the true hatred that Arizona State has for Arizona. I've seen it throughout and heard it throughout other people telling me, and. Arizona State just likes to give Arizona, you know, they have their saying, no pity for the kitty. And they like to do just like, I remember seeing one time on a televised game, they had a noose around a Wilbur Wildcat, like stuffed animal, and they're holding up in the crowd. And I'm just like, really? Really? We're going to to that level? Okay. Okay, that's fine. So for me, it's just Arizona State thinks they are the best program in Arizona, which in football, yes. Sure. Yeah, you are. I mean, Arizona was rough, but in basketball, you will be nowhere near the Arizona Wildcats in that category. And so it's not like I hate ASU, but I like making fun of ASU more than anything because, you know, you got to keep up a rivalry anyway, somehow. So <laughs> that's that's it for me. I always feel like with uh, Iowa State, Iowa too. It's for some reason I don't like the Steelers because they have the same colors as Iowa. Yes, I same. Yes, it's Pittsburgh and Iowa. I thought that I'm like, am I watching Steelers or the Hawkeyes? Because like, there's a lot of like Steelers Iowa fans, and you always just make fun of them, and be like, you guys are just so stupid. You can't, you don't know the difference between the two teams. Yeah. <laughs> you just, you just like what your eyes see. You're not, a, you're not a fan of either one. You just like the colorways. <laughs> All right, that's awesome. That's all the time we have today. Tyler, can you tell us where we can find all of your work and follow you on social media and then we'll head out of here? Yeah, so uh, I'm everywhere on uh, at Arizona Wild Bags and um, I have the website ArizonaWildBags.com where you can find my podcasts. Uh, I write articles and there's more. You can get it. You can get a sh you can get a shirt. Uh, of my logo on there if you truly wanted to on there um use promo code deandre ayton all one word for 15 percent off and that's pretty much it awesome thanks tyler thank you okay that is going to do it for the podcast today thanks again for tyler cole for joining us make sure you follow him and all the work that he does and all of his commentary if you like this podcast, please go rate, review, subscribe anywhere you listen to your podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at JDMajor2. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at JWSDetective for any sort of podcast updates and my occasional sports commentary. Again, thank you for listening. 
And as always, I will see you sometime next week for some more sports conversations. Thank you again. See you next time.